fighting for freedom every day. You as the individual, you have the power. You don't have to join a union. You go in as an entry-level position. You get the experience that you need. And then as you work up, you get better at your job, which means they pay you more. If they don't pay you more, then you go to another company to show what you've learned and what your value is to where you can get more. If they really don't like that, then you can go and start your own damn business because we have a free market laissez-faire capitalist society allegedly, to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome back into The Voice of Reason, another day in paradise, living the dream. That's what we do every single day here, right? That's at least what we tell ourselves. (laughs) As the elections are still, still ongoing, we don't have an answer yet. Who's going to be running Congress? We have the runoff in December in Georgia. We have a lot of other ones that are just up in the air. We just don't know what's going on. Let's break some of these down today. Welcome into the Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch the show, listen to the show. We love you to death. Thanks for hanging out with us like we do every single day. Your Millennial General reporting for duty today. I am trying to get the latest out of the state of Arizona in Georgia, and other places as well. We're going to break some of these down in just a minute. Plus, we're going to break down some of the demographics that we wanted to yesterday that we did not get a chance to do. But have you calmed down a little bit? Have we at least been able to breathe in? Have we been able to absorb the election results? And honestly, there's not a lot of bad news out there. Obviously, we didn't get the red wave that we wanted to, obviously. However, the elections weren't that bad. We were expecting to win by 20, 30 points. The blowout, nobody wanted to vote for Democrats. There was no excitement on the other side of the aisle. We talked about the economy and inflation. We talked about high gas prices and food prices. We talked about the just the lunacy the Democrats have had. And it was a bit of a shell shock, I think, for Republicans who have been in an echo chamber, myself included, on how great we thought Republicans were going to do. How would be a whitewash out there? Uh, so to speak, of just a complete dominance of Republicans all across the board shutting out progressive liberal nuts around the nation because of how unpopular their policies are. And don't get me wrong, their policies are still extremely unpopular. However, it didn't turn out that way. It wasn't the 20, 30-point victory. It wasn't called by 10 o'clock because it was such a dominant overrunning of Republicans on election night. At the same time, we're still not doing bad. We're still winning in a lot of races. As of right now, the latest count that I saw, let me bring this up here real quick. Right now, Republicans in the House of Representatives, as we are expected to take over the uh, majority in the House of Representatives, we are sitting at 209 at Republican seats. So far, that's a gain of six. Democrats have lost seven seats at right now sitting at 189. The 218 is that happy magic number to win the majority. So we are, what, uh, nine points away from that? We are nine seats away from gaining the majority. Democrats are not anywhere near it. We are going to be just fine. And I've said before, even if we don't win the Senate, which I still think we will win the Senate, and we'll talk about that in just a second, the good news is is that we can stop legislation. It will be more difficult to stop Joe Biden because he will still sign executive orders. It will be more difficult to stop the bureaucratic agencies and departments because we only have one branch of Congress. However... We can still stop legislation. The Senate will be stagnant. The House will be stagnant and making the president more stagnant, which means he will try executive orders, which makes us more uh, crucial to get a Republican president in 2024 to reverse all the executive orders. And you like how that process is done? 
I'm sure everybody's just excited the fact that we get to just ram through executive order after executive order, and then the next president reverses all the executive orders and signs their executive orders, and it just goes on and on. It's kind of frustrating, nonetheless. So we'll get to all that, uh, but the numbers are uh, looking encouraging for at least Republicans in the House of Representatives. No guests, by the way, on the program today. Just you and I chit in the chat. We're staring at each other across the room, staring and then wondering about constitutionality and where, oh, where is the common sense in this nation. <laughs> all right, Joe Biden, we got to get his update today as well. Joe Biden, you doing all right, buddy? I mean, I know that you're trying to recover on figuring out how to work together with Republicans, which he said he would do as long as we don't try to ban abortion or something, which is just crazy because our abortion job is done at the federal level. Now the states have to deal with it. So how are you doing, Joe Biden? You feeling good? I want to be clear. I'm not going nuts. Making sure. Just making sure. Let's get into some of these here, shall we, with the latest elections across the nation. What's trending today? There's a big one that I think no one's talking about, which is why, again, it gives me optimism and hope and faith that we are doing well and that Republicans will continue to dominate. And even though it wasn't a strong, like, overbearing domination, we're at least squeaking through with victories across the board. The latest one is a House uh, House district out of the state of New York where Republicans have won it. Yeah, I know. Kind of strange there, but Michael Lawler ended up winning over Democrat candidate Sean Patrick Maloney, 50.5% to 49.5%. That one was within 3,000 votes with 97% reporting in right now, according to the Associated Press. That one has been called for the Republican Michael Lawler. That's good news. That's a seat that I don't think we've had in a while. I think it has been Democrat in the past. Could be wrong on that, but that is... Another big win for Republicans to gain us to that over 218 seats in the House of Representatives. We are winning. They may not focus on it because of obviously we there, there were a couple big hits. And I think that's what people are focused on right now. The Dr. Oz one, which is just very strange. Why someone voted for John Fetterman, don't quite understand why. We lost the governor's race and the Senate race and the legislature really in Michigan, which is bad mojo. The state of Missouri, just next to me, for the first time, it got like 40% Democrat legislators in there, or at least they're going to dominate and have the majority in the state legislature and the state of Missouri. That hasn't happened in a very long time as well. So there were some hits, but we've gained in other seats as well. I am, honestly, I got to admit, I'm a bit devastated with uh, Myra Flores and the fact that she lost in the state of Texas. I know that it was going to be a more difficult race for her because the redistricting changed it. It was going to be even heavier Democrat, and she lost by a pretty hefty margin. I want to say it was like 60-40. But nonetheless... I'm sure that she's going to have a place in the Republican Party, and we will not hear the last of Myra Flores. That is encouraging to me as well. But in the state of New York, we've taken the seat, and congratulations to Michael Lawler. That one has been officially been called after the close race there. Moving over to Georgia and the runoff going on in Georgia, I am optimistic. Yesterday, we broke it down a little bit on the show, but the fact that now it is down to the runoff between the two, the Republican and the Democrat, there is no third-party candidate that can sabotage or else, yes, I do believe that Herschel Walker would have won the race with the 50% majority in the state of Georgia, and he would have been Senate-elect uh, already, Herschel Walker in that state. Now it's going to, which, okay, I know <laughs> I don't want to be too harsh on the third-party candidates. We did that yesterday. I don't want to do that, but I do have to ask the question of third-party candidates running in states that have runoff elections where you don't get 50%. If you know that you're a third-party candidate and you know you're not going to get 50%, then why even run 
and do a runoff when you're going to be dropped out and just complicate the system already. I just I don't understand that process. Either they're there to sabotage just to draw it out and spend more money or because they truly, honestly, delusionally think that they're going to win. I don't get it. I'm not going to go down on and go attacking third-party candidates again. However, it just makes you go, you know there's going to be a runoff. You know that you're not going to get the 50% majority, so you know that you have no chance to get it. It's only going to cause another election without you being on the ballot this time. How does that make sense? The Libertarian, by the way, in that race did get about 2%. So now the question is, those 2% of voters that could swing the election, which direction will they go? Will they go with the Democrat Warnock? Will they go with the Republican Herschel Walker? And just like we saw here in my state in Kansas for our governor's race where the independent and libertarians pulled away a little bit from that Republican, I strongly believe that without them, there will be one of two things. Either they will vote Republican or they won't vote at all which makes it more favorable to Herschel Walker. Here's the kicker, though. Herschel Walker needs to appeal to the conservative and ideologue vote of the libertarians and conservatives. He's got the Republican base. He's got the independents-ish. The independents aren't going to swing their vote from voting for him one time and not voting for him next time. If so, then they're just seriously looking for attention, and I don't want their vote anyways. Those kind of people, I'm independent, and I'm going to change my vote because I heard new information. Now, We know what they stand for. We know what they do. If people in the state of Georgia change their vote over the next month, then you're seriously, you are a narcissist. You're really just kind of self-centered and you're really just looking for attention, wanting the candidates to try and pander to you because you don't like the attention being off of you. And I don't want your vote anyway. So to hell with you, get out of the way. We're going to actually vote and try and win over somebody with some, uh, you know, some passion and someone with character and someone with some type of value that they're actually trying to change. And that would be the independent candidate that, or a libertarian candidate that voted in the last election and is now figuring out whether they're going to vote again or not. Herschel Walker needs to go further to the right in order to win the state of Georgia. He's already a good conservative. He's already a great candidate. But in order to win, you have to win those that voted but didn't vote for you. And it's not going to be Democrat candidates or Democrat voters. It's just not. So to play it smart, again, because he's totally listening to this program, uh, you you need to go further to the right. You need to pander to the ideologue conservatives, and you need to pander to the ideologue libertarians. That will win you that election. You have the moderates and you have the mainstream Republicans already locked in. Don't worry about going further to the left to try and pull away from Warnock. It's not going to work. All right, that's what I got to say about Georgia. I want to move on because there's a lot of elections. We have to kind of touch and go on here in this hour program that we have. In the state of Arizona, let's focus some attention down here. Carrie Lake has officially pulled ahead in the race, although it hasn't been called, because only, what, 65, 66, 67, 68 percent of the vote has been counted. But she's feeling confident. She was on Newsmax earlier today, and this is what she had to say. Well, they're dragging their feet and and they're slow rolling the results and they're trying to delay the inevitable. We will win this. I'm 100 percent sure of that. I know The ballots that are left to be counted are the ones uh, primarily I have them right in front of me, 621,000, almost 622,000 votes left to be counted. A good chunk of those, more than half, 384,000 are mail-in ballots that people carried to the polling place on election day to hand deliver. Those are people who don't trust the drop boxes and don't necessarily trust the postal service. And those will fall our way heavily. We estimate at the low end, those will fall 60% our way at the high end. 
perhaps even over 80%. And then we also have 17,000 of those drawer three ballots. Those are the ones where, you know, 70 different voting centers had had shoddy machines that weren't working. This is just an embarrassment. And the people of Arizona are sick and tired of elections being run like we're in some banana republic. And we won't have it anymore. We're going to win this. Everybody in this state knows we're going to win it. I was running against a basement candidate who didn't even campaign, didn't debate, and the people didn't vote for her. There was zero excitement. And this is ridiculous. And we will, mark my words, starting on day one, begin to reflect form our elections so that they're fair, honest, and transparent. Can I just ask the question, how do we go two days after an election day and only have 70% of the votes? I just checked the Associated Press, 70% right now reporting in, and they are still within 20, 15, 20,000 votes, and Katie Hobbs is slightly higher right now, 50.4 to 49.6. So how do we go two days after election day and still only have 70% reporting in? Does that make any sense to anybody? I know there's been a lot of issues, obviously, with Maricopa County and the uh, the ballots that weren't printed dark enough and then the electoral machines that had issues as well. I get it. There's a lot of shenanigans going on there. There's also another issue where there's a photo of Katie Hobbs, the Democrat candidate, in one of the precincts in the counting room walking around, and they have it on photo. They have it time-stamped. As far as I'm aware, I didn't think candidates were allowed to be in that area because that would be a bridge of some type of shenanigans or opportunity for shenanigans to be had. However, Katie Hobbs strolling on around in one of the counting rooms at one of the precincts. The things that make you go, hmm, and should be bringing up red flags. Carrie Lake still optimistic, though, as that one continues to roll in with people that weren't uh, trustworthy and trusting of the system, and they held on to their ballots to hand it to them in person. Good for them, and I'm going to hopefully say Carrie Lake's going to win that race. With Andy Hoosier. Bring some reason into your day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today, looking at some of these election numbers as they continue to roll in, which is weird two days after the election. Usually we're talking about what to do moving forward now that we have our makeup. We know exactly the way things are going to look in Congress, but oh no, we're still looking at, well, maybe we have an opportunity here. Here's the crazy part. So Lauren Bober out of the western part of Colorado, western and south uh, portion of She's got a really big district, kind of the rural district of Colorado. She is up slightly now uh, by about 0.2%, by about 1,000 votes. But they continue to roll in, and they will be favorable to her. I didn't know that that was going to be that close for her either. She has been a big rock star in the Republican Party. I'm a big fan of Lauren Boebert, and she has been a freshman in there. But the fact that it is that close is a little concerning. She did come out, though, and say that she is doing well. Uh, Moving back down to Arizona, though, that's kind of the big focal point here. There is a lot of shenanigans, and obviously, as we just talked about, the Democrat candidate for this race is not playing by the rules. Katie Hobbs, I did. I mean, maybe laws are different in Arizona. I don't know. I did not think so, however, that candidates cannot be in the counting rooms because obviously that number one, that looks bad optics. But why would she be in the counting rooms 
watching things happen, walking around when she's a candidate running for governor. That just looks conspicuous, especially in a state where we already have concerns about fraud or some type of shenanigans being played. At the same state where we have election machines that are not working with two years of preparing for the election to happen. It's not like it sprung up on me. Oh, is that tomorrow? Oh, man, I totally forgot there was an election tomorrow. Our bad. Oh, I guess I better service these machines here. Or the... 50 or 60 or 70 different printers that were printing off ballots that they didn't print dark enough because, well, there was just a printer issue. Just, just an issue. We're going to win this thing. And I'm optimistic about it as we've seen big red waves at ish. I mean, red waves in the fact that we're winning there. We're winning painstakingly, but we're still winning. I will say this very clearly. We will not have another massive election to where it's just going to be a 20, 30 point lead for everybody and we just dominate elections. It's not going to happen. It will never happen anymore. When we say red wave, that means it will be painstakingly hard, painstakingly difficult. It will be a struggle the entire process, and we will win at the end of the day after being exhausted and crawling with our fingernails all the way to the finish line. But by golly, we will make sure it happens. There are There's too much division. There's too much hatred. There are too many crazy people in the world now for them to be like, oh, yeah, you know what? A conservative value sounds really good. I think I'm going to go that direction if they're on the other side. Just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So, Carrie Lake right now is again down right about 15 to 20,000 votes, but she is optimistic in that race. We need to keep an eye on. So, again, we have a lot of listeners in Arizona, especially with our podcast. Be vigilant, watch it, be transparent, make sure they are staying transparent with these races because that could give us the Senate seat, that could give us a good few House seats, and that's going to give us the governor's race, which I am optimistic about overall in that race. The big one, however, is, of course, that one in the runoff in Georgia on what's going to happen. Again, if we message properly, if we send the message properly, which we're going to talk about when we come back after the bottom of the hour, the demographics show that we have some work to do with certain ideas. We have some work to do with certain demographics, not like skin color, but just with age groups. My generation, the younger generation that predominantly voted for the Democrats in this election, the women, single women that overwhelmingly voted Democrat in this election, a lot of it had to do with the abortion issue. Go figure. So we'll talk about why and how we can win them back over to the Republican side. And again, my continued beating the dead horse attempt to try and win back over third-party candidates into the election as well. So there's a lot of things that we need to focus on here. But with Generation Z and millennials breaking massively to the Democrat side, that is a concern because they are the future voters. They will be the major focal voters in this nation very soon as the older generation continues to slowly die, can slowly move away, slowly not be able to vote any longer. The young generation, my generation, needs to have a stronghold in the Republican Party. And right now that is not happening. How do we get it back? We'll talk about some of that when we come back. Plus... The announcement from Trump, is that going to help or hurt? Because now, without us winning as big as we thought, some are being a little hesitant with moving forward with Donald Trump again in the face of the Republican Party. All that and more coming up here on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, you're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed you are. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out today, last half hour. I tell you, the show goes by way too fast. We have so much to talk about. 
with these elections. We could talk about them for hours because we're dorks like that. But, hey, you know what? We'll do what we can, do the best we can. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that 5-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation. One radio listener at a time. Multiple radio stations all over the place. Welcome aboard. So, we have... Republicans. Now, if I'm reading this right, too, I'm looking at some of these states that are still uncalled, like the state of Arizona, the entire state essentially being uncalled because only 70 percent reporting in. If this is true in the way that they're leaning, which obviously they can't confirm until it's all said and done. But there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten congressional districts alone in the state of Arizona that are leaning Republican that are probably easy Republican seats. They just need to confirm them before they can call them which means we're going to win 10 more seats. I think, if I'm reading this correct, those are not counted in the current 209 seats that we have confirmed right now for the total in Congress compared to the 189 from Democrats. We only need nine to get the majority. There are 10 congressional districts floating up in the air right now just in Arizona that are not confirmed. Then we have Lauren Boebert's seat that'll win. That's another one there. Looks like we have two or three in California. We have one up in Oregon. We have another one in, let's see, is it Pennsylvania or Maryland? Where are we at here? Maryland. There we have a couple there. We still have seats that are floating out there. They just haven't finalized the numbers to confirm you. We could be sitting at that 230 number, that threshold, 225, that they were talking about well over the majority, and we could stop anything coming out of the House of Representatives. We could kick out Nancy Pelosi, and we could actually see some Republican values coming out of the House. Still not get through Congress in general yet, but it's more optimistic. So call that a win, baby. You know what? I'll take it. Overall, we're still going to do very well in this race, even if we don't win the majority in the Senate. But again, I am still optimistic in the Senate. Let's flip over here for a second. We're sitting 48 to 46 uh, with some that are still uncalled. Nevada is leaning right right now. Alaska is leaning right right now. In just those two right there, we would have the 50 threshold. Georgia, I think we could still do well. And let's see. I think that's about it. Uh, maybe. Others are being confirmed. So that could be the swing vote right there. Nevada and Alaska could go right. Georgia, again, is going to be that make or break for that 51 threshold. Unfortunately, with that Pennsylvania, the race to going to Dr. Oz, we didn't get the 52 that we're looking at, but we still could get that 51 just by the swing in Georgia. All hands on deck. If you are Republican anywhere in this country, you need to somehow find a way to support Herschel Walker in that race. And again, you need to go further to the right to win over the independents and the libertarians that are the purists, that are the ideologues that say that they want to go off the cliff with their flag held high because they want either everything or nothing. You have to find a way to pander to them. The other ones that are already voted for Walker are not going to change, or uh, that voted for Warnock are not going to change their vote. They are Democrats. They want the establishment. They want the socialism. They want the big government garbage. You can't win them over. Don't try to appeal to them. Stop it. I think that's a message for the Republicans in general. Stop trying to pander to the wishy-washy, squishy ones in the middle that are like, I'm Republican, but I kind of like Texas too. No, if you, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. It doesn't work. We want conservatism, limited government, little taxes, little regulation. We don't want the government in our lives. Leave us the hell alone. Let us do our own thing. Now, talking about that, the next question is the face of the Republican Party. 
And that's the question that we have to look at even right now. The landslide that we had wasn't much of a landslide. It's still a victory in the House. It could potentially be a victory in the Senate. Worst case scenario, it's a 50-50 split again, which means the Democrats will have that slight majority there with a, a, a Kamala Harris. It could be the tie-breaking vote if we have to. But nonetheless, it's going to make them very difficult to get anything done. And that is good news. So now we have to start looking at the messaging of the Republican Party in the face of the Republican Party moving forward. Some are asking Trump to hold off on his announcement from Tuesday next week as saying that he's going to run for president, which is what everything's all the speculations all about for next week. And if he does, does that hurt the party moving forward? Now, the biggest one I guess we could look at as an example is the Dr. Oz and Fetterman race out of uh, Pennsylvania did not go the way as planned. And some say, well, that's because Trump nominated him, Trump endorsed him, so the MAGA crowd went to him, and therefore, that's the Republican Party, and people are sick and tired of Donald Trump and his endorsements, and he needs to go away and not be the face of the party anymore. I personally think that's a bad example of it, because there were a lot of MAGA, quote-unquote, conservative Trump supporters that were very confused and scratching their heads over the endorsement of Dr. Oz, instead of someone like Kathy Barnett, who was a black female and who was solidly conservative, who was a hardcore MAGA individual. We've had her on this program a few times when she was running for the House of Representatives in Pennsylvania, and she was a wonderful candidate. And they thought that she was too far to the right for the state of Pennsylvania and therefore wouldn't have been able to win. I think that just like J.D. Vance in Ohio, doesn't really matter how far right or middle of the road she was. Number one, if she had an endorsement from Donald Trump. And number two, if she was able to pander to certain demographics, then she would have done very well. She was a black conservative woman. In the state of Pennsylvania, you could have won part of the inner cities and at least been able to pull some of the vote away just by playing that card you would have gotten the base of the maga community and the trump supporters and the hardcore republicans in that community you could have done i think very well and i think kathy barnett would have walked all over john fetterman in that race however we got dr oz because he was the celebrity he had a lot of money he was personal friends with trump from the tv industry and therefore he had to go with the pal on that one and i think that was the mistake but many within the Republican Party, are already saying Donald Trump's endorsements were the ones that ruined the party in this election and using that as the example. No one wanted Dr. Oz, except for the ones that begrudgingly went with it because they again fell for the trap that they always do, which is, number one, Donald Trump endorsed, so therefore that's going to have the momentum. But number two, he's the moderate guy in a purple state, and it's going to be better to widen that umbrella and win over the other side. And I ask you again, like we have so many years after so many elections, how has that worked out for you? How has it worked out? We lost that because of John McCain in the presidential election in 2008. We lost it with Mitt Romney like that with the presidential election in 2012. We've lost it in numerous Senate races across the board all over the country and House seats all over the country across the board. And the prime example of it again now is Dr. Oz, who completely stopped campaigning after the primary, who has been a moderate and even a Democrat most of his life, and then tried to play Mr. Conservative, went over the Republican base, and it did not work out very well. Stop pandering to left-wing ideologues and trying to win them over into the Republican Party while dismissing your base, which is conservatives who are ideologues not quite as hardcore as libertarians because we're willing to compromise to move the needle a little bit further to our agenda as opposed to saying we want all or nothing. 
but stop throwing us aside and winning over the independent squishes thinking you're going to win them over to vote for you. It doesn't work. Stop it. Pennsylvania is a perfect example. It is a purple state. It should not have gone as far left as it did with the governor's race and with the Senate race. It shows right now there is a base in the Democrat Party that doesn't care whether you can can even uh, put together an entire coherent sentence with John Fetterman to vote for him. They don't care. They want blue. They're unionized. They're run by the unions. They're run by the government social programs. They're run by that side. You cannot win them over. Donald Trump began to because he said he didn't care what they thought. I don't care. I'm going to say what's on my mind. I'm going to do what I think is best, whether you like it or not, tough luck. And that's how you win those guys over because then they can start breaking away and be like, oh, yeah, look at this guy. He's doing it. He's relatable. I get it. I'm going to go with him. The Republican Party in general, when they go squishy, well, you know, it's a moderate district. It's kind of purple. You know, you got to win these guys. No. In some districts, yes, I can see it. We have a district here in Kansas that is very squishy, and you know what? We need to pander to some that are kind of on the fence, you know, on that border fence of, yeah, we marginally like taxes. We marginally like regulation, and then somehow you went over and be like, ha, this guy gets it. They're kind of middle of the road. I still don't understand what middle of the road actually means, but like that, that seat could have been won by Kathy Barnett, the conservative, the MAGA supporter, because guess what? Dr. Oz threw away the Republican vote and dismissed it and thought he had it. And people got mad and they voted libertarian, they voted independent, or they didn't vote at all. You have to rally the base, not rally the ones that aren't even in the base hoping that you can win them over. It doesn't work. That's not how politics is done. And it's frustrating to watch the Republicans do it over and over and over again. When will we learn our lesson? Now, to break down some of these As we mentioned, the young generation, Generation Z, millennials, overwhelmingly, 63% of those between the age of 18 to 29 going Democrat in this election. Why? Why did the young generation vote Democrat? There's a few issues, and they're issues that we need to address now and be aware of now. Not years down the road when they're in their 40s. Not years down the road when they're almost retirement trying to win them over and wondering why the older generation isn't voting Republican anymore now when they're first starting to vote. And honestly, we're kind of a day late and a dollar short already. Has to do with the education system and how we teach them and educate them about this country with this critical race theory garbage, teaching them about celebrating America, about the greatness of America, about the uniqueness of America, the lack of understanding of our electoral college system of, like we talked about a couple days ago, when you vote in an election for president, you're not voting for the candidate, you're voting for an electorate to cast the ballot in the electoral college for the president of the United States. We don't understand that in this nation anymore because there's ones that are like, I should just be able to text it out in an app and vote for the president and just a national popular vote. More people want it, therefore we got to do it. It's not how our system works. We don't have a democracy. We don't have mob rule, and they don't understand that. They're also easily bought in an economy right now where you don't act like an adult until the age of 30 because you have student loans, you're living with your parents, you don't have any expendable cash, and you're struggling paycheck to paycheck, which is why they overwhelmingly voted to the other side with the programs the Biden administration is putting into place, which we'll talk about when we come back. If they get their student loan forgiveness program, what will they do with all that extra cash? We'll talk about that when we come back here on The Voice Reason. Stay right here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier.
fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. How do we continue to move forward with an ever-changing demographic and generations having their own mind, having their own free will, having their own thought process, being the wicked free thinkers that they actually are? How do we continue to win them over because they're not going to the Republican side right now? And that is a big concern moving forward and what that face of the party may actually look like. Is it Donald Trump? Is it Ron DeSantis? Is it somebody completely different? I got to be honest, I think that the younger generation, while some of them, the crazy wackadoodle left-wing socialist ones, hated Donald Trump with a passion, the others kind of respected him. He was the guy that just wasn't part of the system. He just said what was on his mind, didn't care what anybody thought. He was the entertainment value. People respected that. The younger generation respected that. The Republican Party scared of their own shadow, which is why they're not going to win over the young generation right now. I'm telling you, I, this is why, and people laugh at me, I was at the election party here in Kansas. I emceed the election party uh, just a couple of nights ago for the Republicans here in South Central Kansas. It was a great night for us. And uh, But one of the things, everybody that I talked to, Andy, what did you do to your hair? And those that watch the video stream, yeah, I have a braided mohawk right now that's actually getting ridiculously long. I've never in my life, ever in my life, ever had long hair. I grew out a mohawk like, what, three years ago when I got out of radio for, a, a, what, a month? <laughs> and I was like, why not? I'm not in the limelight. I'm going to do a little, uh, little mohawk. And then it started to grow. And I was like, why not? Let's just see how far it goes. And now I'm almost afraid to cut it because it's two years worth of investment here. And I got to see how far it goes. I mean, why not? At the same time, it sends a message that the Republicans don't have to look a particular way, don't have to act a particular way, think a particular way. We just want to be left alone. The voice, the face of the Republican Party moving forward with the way times are changing, with the way things are doing, in order for the Republican Party to adapt and evolve and stay with the times to win over the younger generation is not going to be, you must have the comb over look and wear the suit and tile prim and proper and you must have it you know, shape and not have a beard. It's not the way things are going to be. It is going to be to win over the young voters, the young generation who says, I don't like the system and the way the system's set up. I don't like this at all. I'm going to vote for the Socialist Party. I'm going to vote for the Libertarian Party. I'm not going to vote at all because the system is stupid and all of them suck. That's the mentality that young generation voters have. And to win them over, you have to have a face within the party that is the guy from the tattoo parlor with massive, crazy, ridiculously large gauge earrings and a neck tattoo and a, you know tattoos all over his head that says, leave me the hell alone. Leave me be. I don't want you to control my life. I just want to live my own life. And when you win that crowd over, you will have the young generation for the long haul because you will stand up, you won't be scared of your shadow, and you will say, I'm just going to do what I think is right, which is defund this, get rid of this, leave me the heck alone, and just give me my freedom back. That will win over the young generation. And Republicans right now are not in the position to do that. They are not ready for that. They are not prepared for it mentally and psychologically, internally within the RNC and many Republican parties across different states and in different counties and at the local levels. They're not ready for that drastic of a change. And it's okay. I get it. I'm totally there with you. But we have to win that crowd over. The young generation also needs to have a little bit more of an education and better understanding of, you know, like finances. The student loan forgiveness program, as I thought, would not win over many young generation. It worked. It worked. With 63% of voters between the 18 and 29 age group, that bought them for the Democrat Party because why not? I'm going to use that money. But the question is, what are they going to use that money for? Are they going to use it to better their lives, maybe start a business, 
apply it to their higher education for going further into education, maybe buy themselves a house, maybe buy themselves a good car, maybe invest in the stock market. No, no. What they're doing, according to the latest poll that's come out now, is the young generation that's receiving this, that's excited to receive this, the vast majority wants to use it on being able to go on vacation and to buy more fast food at restaurants. Well, that, that could be, according to one survey, but it, you know, it could be easy as well for some people to enjoy traveling and eating out rather than worrying about the future. One financial coach tells CNBC.com that you should not use the loan forgiveness only for long-term goals. Your short-term self may get frustrated and give up on planning ahead altogether. So instead, they say, make sure your regular bills are paid, check in on your goals, and try to achieve a balance that also lets you invest in your future. That audio from CNBC. 73% of Biden student loan forgiveness recipients, 73% said they want to spend it on dining out and travel. YOLO, baby. You only live once, live for the day. Don't worry about the future. The government will take care of me when I retire. My social security will take care of me when I'm done. YOLO. I only live once. I'm going to take advantage of it. That is a cause for concern, and I think that goes into the deeper unveiling of the onion to focus on the deeper issues here. It's not about just removing the debt from the students. It's about why they took the debt out in the first place and how to be financially responsible. Going back to the idea we've talked about forever on this program, which is maybe we should mandate financial literacy classes in order to graduate high school and go on to higher education. We'll do some more of that when we come back tomorrow. Until then, be your own voice of reason. This is the voice of reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.